Uh, with that, of course, I know many of you are here uh, for uh, our esteemed guest that has come. Uh, I am actually the least qualified to introduce him because I cannot list any of the series or dramas or accolades or awards that he has won. But maybe I can introduce a side of him that most of you would not be aware of and I was blessed to uh, be aware of today that today I spent most of the afternoon with uh, our dear brother Hamza Ali Abbasi and we had a very scintillating, a very intellectual conversation about religion, about God, about morality. He told me a number of issues and books that he was reading and I must say I was very impressed that he's reading cutting edge material about uh, some of the modern controversies taking place. I found a person, mashallah, of genuine dedication, of scholarship, I am aware that he has given up a very lucrative career for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that is very impressive for someone to give up an entire galaxy of stars and fame and to dedicate his life for the sake of Islam. He has told me some projects he has, I don't want to share them if he wants to share them, but it is truly inspiring to find somebody who was handed on a silver platter this dunya and said, you know what, I'm not interested. I want the Akhirah. And to find someone like that, and to see that dedication, and not just spiritual dedication, but frankly, I was very impressed. This is a thinker. This is somebody who is reading deeply. He is reading what is going on in this side of the world. The modern uh, debates between religion, agnosticism, atheism, has some very deep questions. I had a very amazing time with him. So that is a side of him that perhaps, you know, um, I thought I could introduce with. So I ask um, uh, Mr. Hamza Ali, inshallah, Brother Abbasi, to come, inshallah, to the stage. Just uh, want to say what an amazing facility you have here. I am so happy to see this. <clears throat> and uh, seeing the basketball court over there, it was amazing. Brother Yasser is absolutely right. Uh, we need to develop that connection of our future generations. Uh, we need to think about future generations and make the masjid a place. I had no idea <clears throat> this, uh, some conferences happening next week. about the LGBT. LGBT next week, yeah. It is so important to talk about these issues now especially in countries like America. There is no hiding away from it. We have to talk openly. Uh, if we don't, our kids will not get the answers they want. And inshallah, when I share my story, that was the exact problem with me, that I had questions. I couldn't ask those questions. I didn't have the freedom. And hence, I resulted in going away from faith. So I'm so happy to also know that you're discussing these issues in the masjid. Should be... Um, if I was here, I wish I would have definitely attended it. And uh, please have a positive attitude towards it. We need to discuss these things. So, Hamzabai, I want to ask you a question that is on my mind. We discussed a little bit today, but you didn't get into that much detail. And inshallah, I'll only ask two or three questions and the floor will be open for all of you. Hmm. What was it that as a, <coughs> as a Pakistani Muslim child, hmm. why would a person in a Muslim environment want to turn away from Islam and even you said publicly that you were actually agnostic or atheist for a while. Hmm. I'm asking as somebody who would think that in a Muslim land you're absorbing these values hmm. that the last thing on the mind of a child or a young man would be to leave Islam. My question to you very bluntly, what caused you to leave hmm. and then how did you come back? That's uh, an amazing question because in this, the, the, the question itself is a question that many of our youth have. I mean, let's be honest about it. In today's time and age, 
uh, there is media, social media, there's YouTube. So there's no hiding away from some questions that we might have. So I just want to share with you in five minutes briefly what I went through, and I hope my answers will uh, answer your question as well. See, the problem started, especially in Pakistan, we have a problem with uh, there is an extreme lack of tolerance. Whether it be politics, unfortunately, whether it be religion, whether it be anything, there is an extreme lack of tolerance. So when I was growing up, like every kid, every child, every teenager, I had questions. Um, and I asked those questions. And initially, I was discouraged to ask those questions. The kind of questions, um, like for example, my religion says I'm a Muslim. And if only Muslims can go to heaven, then what will happen to those five and a half billion people who might be good people also, who might be honest people? So what happens to them? I wasn't allowed to ask these questions. And the answers I got, I wasn't even allowed to say that they haven't satisfied me. You know what I'm saying? The behavior, there's a certain attitude of uh, arrogance, at least in Pakistan, with our religious circles. And there's also another issue, by the way. When one group says that we have the answers, right? The other group says we have the answers. Now, it could be taken as disagreement, right? But that's, that's the problem. They say we have the answers and only our answers are the right ones. The other group says no, only our answer is the right one. And you can't, don't even have the freedom to say, okay, two of your answers make sense to me and three of your answers make sense to me. They say, no, 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 wait. If our answers make sense to you, then all of our answers must make sense to you. That attitude actually led to me not finding satisfying answers to my questions. I was told to <clears throat> blindly follow certain things and I was told that you won't get them. But trust me, especially in America, this argument will not last long in America, in Pakistan, in any Muslim country. Young generation is now, they want answers. They want satisfactory answers. So unfortunately, because of this behavior, uh, and I had a lot of questions, I, I won't go into the details. I started gradually thinking that if I'm not being able to find the right answers, then maybe there's something wrong with the entire thing itself. And that led me to go a little further away from religion. And then many of you don't know, I actually did my high school from Kansas. And then I was exposed to ideologies like evolution and etc, etc. And then there's a certain behavior here about religion also, that a religion is old fairy tales, the world has moved forward and then that kind of appealed to me. <clears throat> I again came back with those same questions. Like, for example, there is evolution, then there is our story. What's the truth? Is there a middle ground? What's going on? And I, the answers I got again weren't satisfying. So then I went away from religion, and it was actually, you'd be surprised, it was science which first made me back to not a religious person, but to a theist. Then I start believing in an impersonal God. Like, okay, there might be a force behind all of this. 
But I don't know if that's a personal God. I don't know which one that is. Is the God of the Muslims? Is the God of the, <clears throat> the gods of the Hindus, the Christian, Yahweh, Allah? Which one is it? Then believe me, because of the attitudes we have these days, which are prevalent of arrogance, self-righteousness, simple answers took me such a long time to find them. Simple answers. Now I'll tell you, those, those are very simple answers. But the fact that it took me seven, eight years to find those answers is a tragedy which results from our attitudes towards how we must present religion to people. And then, cutting the long story short, Alhamdulillah, Allah gave me the tawfiq. Insan can only try with a genuine heart. You know how Quran says, Kalbe Salim. And I found all my answers and I gave up my career not because I want to be a preacher, I don't. I'm a very humble student. I'm like far behind in the back rows right now. But out of that desperation that some other Hamza Basi shouldn't have to suffer that long to find the answers, out of that desperation to beg to our people to have an attitude of tolerance, to accept the difference of opinion, to not make your own castles and forts and sit there and be like, we only know what is truth <clears throat> and you guys, oh, you don't know what truth is. So I hope and pray that if there is anything I can do with my words is try to convince people to have that tolerance. Please have that tolerance for your next generation have that tolerance. Don't fight among each other, no matter how severe the disagreement is no matter how deep that disagreement is. But let's have tolerance and an ilmi attitude towards things. And that was prevalent, this attitude was prevalent in the great Imams also. I don't know whose words were these, uh, if you can tell me, that one of the Imams, when he wrote a letter to another Imam, he said that I, I tell you my opinion thinking I'm right. Imam Shafi. Imam Shafi? And I listen to you thinking I might be wrong. So let's please have that atmosphere and that makes me actually very pleasantly surprised and happy in US that there is a surprising amount of tolerance here. There is no hatred among disagreement. And trust me, when you take out the hatred from disagreement, when you abolish that overwhelming desire to convince the other person, bring him to your side, when you take all of that out, Believe me, disagreement becomes the most beautiful thing. Disagreement has taken science to a place where now our rovers are on Mars. So disagreement, if taken in the right way, will result in the growth, in the ilm of this theme. And the best example is how our Imams used to disagree with each other. But you don't see any hatred among them. So this tolerance, I hope, will lead to another Hamza Basi somewhere, finding those answers very easily, which took me a very long time to find. <laughs> so that's my hope. That's what I plan to tell as many people as I can. And hopefully us Muslims will do what Allah Ta'ala wants us to do. To give his message to the world. And not fight among each other. Not make our own castles that, oh, those are the kuffar, we're the Muslims and now we're fighting each other. We're supposed to give them the message and hidayat is from Allah. 
I'm no scholar, but even a layman Muslim like me knows that Allah Ta'ala has written in the Quran that if I chose it, I would have made everyone walk the straight path. Allah Ta'ala says, I give hidayat to those according to my law. All you do is you give the message in the best way possible. I hope that we can all have that approach and make things easier for us on the Day of Judgment and maybe hopefully reach out to non-Muslims. And one other reason was <coughs> the, the, the way you said that he gave up the world. Believe me, uh, when I look at my awards, uh, I was actually, we made a new house in Islamabad and I was having those shelves made and I had reached that point where I decided that I will dedicate my life to sharing those answers. But that decision was reinforced by the fact that I was looking at my awards. I thought to myself, uh, well, when I die, which is going to be very soon, I mean, imagine within a hundred years, none of us is going to be alive, unless somebody breaks the world record for being the oldest person in the world. <laughs> but none of us is going to be alive. So I was looking at them and I felt they mean so much to me because awards are a recognition of your efforts, whether it be in dramas or films or in any field. But when I die, this is going to be trash for my children. It's not even like they're made of gold so they can sell it and maybe get some money. <laughs> it's made of iron. And, and then I thought to myself, even if I become the most famous person in the whole world, nobody's going to care after I die. I mean, can anybody be more popular than Michael Jackson? No one, at least in our times. He's dead now. How big of a difference would it make to him now if I talk to somebody about Michael Jackson, maybe hear a song. And same goes for every other field, even in religion. Let's not follow fame. It's another problem in Islam also. I see a lot of speakers who do this so that they can gather a following. And those are the same speakers who tell that you will only find truth with us and nowhere else. So we have to go away from this arrogant behavior even when it comes to the dunya or even preaching deen. I make sure I tell myself every day that am I doing this for people call me good and righteous. I make sure I keep a check on that instinct. So anyways, I was looking at those awards and then I realized the, the frail nature of this world. Whatever I do here, no matter what, even if I get 10 Oscars and academies, at the end of the day, very soon, I'm going to die. Now, even if you're an atheist, I mean, there's no denying you're going to die, right? It's not like atheists don't die. We all die. We had a, a bit recently that guy died, right? Uh, Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant's death, you know, this is also Allah's way of bringing death to center stage in the world. You know, more than a thousand people die in Islamabad every day due to natural causes, but we don't bring death into the center stage. But somebody like Kobe Bryant dies, and everybody in the world is reminded that, oh, wow, okay. Death is real. Death is real. We're all going there. So then I, that reinforced my decision that I should tread this path. And I would encourage all the youth that if your basic bread and butter is sorted, basic bread and butter, then dedicate your lives to learning your deen. 
and dedicate your lives to spreading Allah's message within our circles also and to the world because that's why we call ourselves Muslims otherwise why would Allah need to raise an Ummah? He doesn't need to raise an Ummah that's a test for us people often tell me it's such a blessing to be born in a Muslim house I say it is a blessing but we have no idea what kind of responsibility it is as well and that brings me to my last point I think then we should move to question answers because I want to interact with all of you that responsibility demands from us that we let go of arrogance we let go of that false sense of self-righteousness and we do tadabbur on Allah's deen with all our honesty we disagree with each other with, with love and we learn our deen and then present it to the world and that inshallah hopefully I mean I am doing this with a very selfish reason that ek to dunya mein bhi Allah khair philai is, uh, is cheez se aur akhirat mein I hope that this life will uh, let me have that VIP stand on the day of judgment Allah mia that's uh, one of the reasons I'm doing this and that brings eternal satisfaction when you know that your purpose in life actually transcends your death there's no bigger satisfaction than that I've been the happiest person in the world since I've announced it yeah so that's all I wanted to share with you I would love to interact with you guys and again thank you so much for having me here and this guy I met for the first time I saw his Seerah uh, series it's such a tongue twister Seerah series Seerah series okay. <laughs> And a lot of his videos helped me and that's see I took some knowledge from him I took some knowledge from Ghamidi Saab I took some knowledge from even the most orthodox of scholars my questions were not answered from one person some of them were answered by him some of them were answered by Ghamidi Saab some of them were answered by another person some of them by another person so that's the approach we need to have with Deen and come closer instead of hitting each other, instead of pushing each other away. So that's just my request. And uh, yeah, so I think we should just open Inshallah. the floor. Inshallah, we want to open the floor for Q&A. If you can just do a specific question, brothers and then sisters, Inshallah, let's keep it pertinent to the topic as well. Anybody? Yes, go ahead. If you can stand up and speak the question, Bismillah. Yeah. <clears throat> Let me repeat the question so the mic can hear it. Yeah, okay. Sure. Uh, so the brother asks that uh, now that you have dedicated your life to the Islamic cause, how do you plan to sustain yourself basically financially? That's yes, the that's a very good question. That's why when I said that dedicate your lives, the first thing I said word was if your basic bread and butter is sorted. So Alhamdulillah, Allah has given me uh, a few businesses back in Pakistan. I plan to establish one in US as well. So I have that part sorted and that part gives me enough freedom then to dedicate all my time without any alternative agenda to this cause. So yeah, you need to have your basic bread and butter sorted in one way or the other so that you can give your time to this. Alhamdulillah. Sisters, you have a question? Yes, go ahead. Yes. Can I repeat the question? Yes, the, yes. the sister's asking that uh, can you produce a series like Ertughrul, which is, uh, do I need to tell you Ertughrul? Everybody knows Ertughrul. So <laughs> wants, uh, she wants uh, our brother to produce an Ertughrul series with the Pakistani team. True, true. Uh, well, that's actually the reason. How many of you are seeing Alif these days? 
Wow. Really? I expected like three, four hands. <laughs> wow, thank you. Well, actually, Alif, Alif is already the first step because uh, I thought Molajat would be my last project. I'd taken that decision about a year and a half ago that I'm going to dedicate myself to this. But obviously, I had to get done with certain things before I could announce it. Then Alif is actually the first project that I did because it has Allah's message. It has Allah's message in it. So yes, inshallah, uh, I will uh, dedicate myself also to this part because my expertise are also in media, in cinematography, it's in filmmaking, to make such content which is going to bring our people closer to religion and most importantly understand the questions that are very frequently asked questions. I hope that the content we make, now I think you're all also will be there to help us. Not as an actor, <laughs> not as an actor, don't worry. Oh no. Clear. <laughs> I thought I had a lead role for you. But <laughs> he wants me to take a part of, uh, uh, well, it's a surprise, but inshallah. Yeah, but but no acting. I want, to be, I, want him, I want him to play the bad guy, but well, <laughs> too bad he's not going to act. But in the, in the uh, script making, uh, I hope you'll also Inshallah. come My pleasure. with us. Alhamdulillah, we already and begun the process of discussion. Yes, and we are going to make uh, documentaries, short films, uh, maybe short dramas, so that people, so we can take this message to the public, because this is also a very important fact. Media is the most powerful thing of, of the present times. So we have to use this. Imagine if maybe 20 years ago, if you could have a gathering like this once a week, it was considered to be the biggest success. It was considered to be a big success about reaching out to people. Now, you make something, you put it on YouTube, it immediately has like what, 30, 40,000 views, 50,000 views, 100,000 views. So that is one of the major aspects of what I want to do uh, in the very near future. And you'll be happy seeing our content, inshallah. Alhamdulillah. Brother's question, Bismillah. So our brother asked a very good question that what are the resources that he can advise our youth that are struggling with this issue of atheism or agnosticism? What advice can he give them? Firstly, I, I cannot advise our elders, but I have a request from our elders before I tell our youth, please do not demonize them. When they ex do not demonize them when they express their doubts. The worst thing you can do to a young boy or a young girl, your kids or your brother or a sister who asks questions and expresses doubts is to demonize him. That, oh, how can you ask this question? Please never do that because that's something that pushed me away further. Encourage those doubts because believe me, when you go on an honest journey, if your heart is pure, the answers are very simple. So encourage those doubts, do not demonize them, talk with them, uh, encourage them to find answers. Secondly, uh, we have our Islamic circles like Yasir Bhai here, then there are also a lot of uh, scholars these days but I'm, but I'm very happy about they're working on these existential questions and trying to answer them. Then there are also non-Muslim uh, intellectuals who are doing an amazing job like Stephen C. Meyer, uh, Michael Behe, my, uh, David Berlinski, they have a discovery institute in, uh, in New York, I think. They had, 
Yeah, it's a New York Discovery Institute. Those are the scientists because modern atheism is resulting primarily from an assumption that maybe somehow science is uh, denying God, which is so far from the truth. So I would encourage our youth to look into our Muslim circles and also to the non-Muslim circles. You should get knowledge wherever you can get it from. Uh, so Discovery Institute is a great place where these are the scientists, very accomplished scientists all over the world who have formed an organization to tell the world that this is a scientific pretension to assume that there is no God. Science does not deal with this question. However, the answers we are finding, like the information within the DNA, the laws in the universe, the integrated complexity of matter and how it generates life, it's all pointing towards an intelligent designer. It's called the ID movement. And uh, now it's gaining popularity in America. And they also expose how the, you know, every field has an establishment. You have a religious establishment, but Kismatis, at least in Pakistan, you have a scientific establishment in the world. They prove it to you that how even mentioning of intelligent design is being so badly discriminated by the scientific establishment around the world that they are being, it's, it's a taboo. And they're fighting now for this cause that we will not say which God or designer or being, but they're now presenting it as a scientific fact that this, is, this all cannot be possible without an intelligent designer. Also, you should uh, encourage your youth to watch a documentary on YouTube. It's called Intelligence Not Allowed. Intelligence Not Allowed. Beautiful documentary of the same people, Michael B. Stephen C. Meyer. So, uh, yes, you should ask your kids to watch that. And plus, we have amazing people like Yasser Kadebhai. Uh, his arguments helped me a lot. He made, uh, I remember going from Islamabad to Lahore, two cities in Pakistan. It's a three, four hour drive. And one of your lectures, because it was three years ago, I put it on, dealt with the same questions, helped me a lot. So encourage your kids to ask the questions and seek knowledge from wherever. Because if they don't ask the questions, how will you challenge their predisposed answers? So th th these two sources help me a lot. Yeah. We'll, take, we'll take two more questions. Uh, our brother has to leave to another event. So sisters, one other question. Hmm. Uh, you had mentioned that you had a lot of questions that you couldn't get simple answers for. So I'm just trying to get an idea or example of a question or, or something that you had to deal with that you were not able to get a simple answer that later you did find was so simple and, you know, according to... Uh, you want an example of that? Yeah, I was just wondering a question that you had. And you okay, I'll give it. you an example of the biggest question of life. Now, I know it would be... Huh? The question that took the longest time to answer. Oh. The question that you had. Will all non-Muslims go to hell is a question that took me a long time to answer. And uh, another question about the different Kirats of Quran, that also took a long time to answer. I have answered the first one here at Epic. If you remember, that was one of the first questions we dealt with in Q&A. So I have a 40-minute lecture about will good non-Muslims, uh, you know, what will happen to them. Brilliant. And as for the Qiraat, I have advanced classes for that. <laughs> Brilliant. So that was the question. And about yours, I'll give you a, a simple uh, example. Is there a God or not? The answer I found was very simple. I can tell you in less than a minute. Why is there a God? <clears throat> Our fitrah demands it. It is in my instinct to want a higher power. It is in my instinct to demand ultimate justice. An animal doesn't have a concept of justice. Uh, 
I want justice. I want to see justice. Uh, then my logic demands it as well. My logic confirms it, that there is a God. Then there are historical figures who have been telling all around the world that there is a God, that your fitrat and your logic, they're right, there is one. We call them Ambiya, we call them Rusulin, and Quran says we've sent Ambiya in every nation, and hence, that's confirmed by history. Every nation in this world has a concept of a sky God. Even Hinduism, on believably has the concept of one sky god, it's called Brahma. If you read the Vedas, wow, I have this hypothesis, it's my personal hypothesis, I think Vedas must have been an Asmani Sahifa by some Nabi maybe thousands of years ago who came to the land of uh, India or the subcontinent. It gives you Tawheed, Vedas, not Gita or Mahabharat, Vedas. Every culture has the concept of one supreme god, Every culture has the concept of life after death, historically. Every culture has had the concept of a good place you go to if you do good deeds and a bad place you go to if you do bad things. So history confirms what your fitrit demands, what your logic says, what historical figures have said. History is confirming that. And then you have the last Rasul, Muhammad Rasulullah He is the biggest proof of the Almighty, because what happens is, you believe, okay, there might be some force or being, but the whole Judgment Day thing kind of sounds, you know, a little outlandish. Prophet Muhammad was the last Nabi and Rasul of Allah, and Rasul is that judgment which is going to happen after we die. Uska a laboratory test in this world. Quran says, na, okay, we. Do not punish a people unless we send a Rasul within them. So that proof happened at a time when history was alive. If you're a non-Muslim or an atheist, you could probably contest with me that whether he was divinely inspired or not, but you cannot deny the fact that there was a man named Muhammad who did exist about 1435 years ago. He did tell his people that I am a Rasul from God, I will tell you what is the truth to its last extent until you, ex you know in your heart and your mind that this is the truth, which is called Hujjat Tamamuna. And then when you knowingly defy God, then the same punishment that Allah has promised in, on the judgment day will be inflicted on you in this world. Allah will separate those who believe, Allah will separate those who are defiant against God and you will be punished. And that man was saying that when he was in trouble in Mecca with probably a few followers. Quran says that you will see soon those who deny you and deny God will turn their backs and run away. That happened. Allah ki adalat lagi is dunya ke andar. At a time when history was alive. And as its record and proof, we also have the Quran. And I think that's why Risalat, end, end, Risalat ended at that time. That is the biggest historical proof. So these five things convinced me. Fitrat, logic, historical figures, throughout the world, history throughout the world is confirming it. And the last one was the uh, God's judgment on a smaller level happening in this world for the last time through Muhammad Rasulullah After that, I don't find anything in my mind which would uh, doubt this entire scheme of things that Allah has explained. Alhamdulillah. Final question from our brothers. Bismillah. Hmm. Yes. It's all right. 
I'm no Nelson Mandela that everybody should know me. <laughs> So the request is that, uh, is uh, Ustad Hamza thinking about uh, cartoons for children and the next generation uh, basically giving the message to the younger audience, he's talking about the older audience, does he have any vision for the younger audience? That is so, yeah sure sure. The baby shark? What's the baby shark? Why don't you demonstrate the baby shark? <laughs> really? Okay. <laughs> it's a, a children's rhyme. Okay. For the children, basically. Does, does the baby shark do good things or is he into bad things? <laughs> it's a small song. It's a small song? Okay. Okay, I get you, I get you, yes. Yeah. He's asking for Islamic equivalent. Islamic equivalent, yeah. Rhyme and for the kids like that. Yeah, it's, it's so good you guys have asked that question because it's already something that we're thinking about. Uh, we had this event in Seattle from the Ahmadi Center and there we had some people, because it was my idea also that through this platform, all of us together, we're going to make animated series. And that's so good that you guys asked this question because in Seattle, I discussed this with the people there because they have a lot of Microsoft people and tech people over there. And already they were like, we can find you four to five people who are Muslims working in Microsoft and in different uh, CGI companies who would be willing to work with you guys in their spare time. So you don't have to spend a lot of funds because it's a very expensive thing to make animated series. A lot of Mashallah. Asians, we'll yeah, a lot of Asians, Bangladeshi, Bangladeshis, Indians, we'll yeah, yeah. Bangladeshis, Indians, Inshallah. Pakistanis, we all excel in software engineering, that's it. And our, even Chinese, if we could find some Chinese Muslims. <laughs> Inshallah, our brother has to leave for the next engagement. We'd really like to thank him for no, taking time out of his day. He's leaving you. tomorrow back to Pakistan. Uh, very okay, quick, one very more, quick, one very more. quick, okay, very fine. quick, Bismillah. Assalamu As some of the ladies here wanted to know why the Sufi angle in the drama Alif? Good question. I actually, uh, because Omera Ahmed, the writer of that drama, uh, she's into Tasawwuf and Sufism. So again, disagreeing with love. So I, we had a meeting and uh, we took out certain extreme Sufi things, like the concept of a sheikh and murshid. But the Sufi elements in there, I, I tolerate them. As long as we're talking about God, as long as we're talking about Allah, as long as we're talking about La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. So we have to come to a common ground. So even though I don't agree with certain things said in it, but the overall theme of it deals with God and Allah and His message. And that's what's tolerable for me. It's tolerable for me.
I can volunteer to be a religious advisor in your next train if you want. I mean, it's like... <laughs> Brother, now that, now that you have uh, disagreed to act in it, which I really want you to do, so you can come on board the writer part. We'd yeah. like to thank uh, our dear brother for taking time out to come oh, to us. He actually so had much. another engagement, but uh, I really asked him, and alhamdulillah, he wanted to see our masjid, so jazakumullah khair. And you. I ask Allah Azza wa Jal to continue his istiqamah as hidayah and to use our brother to open up many, many doors of good for other people and to make his amal sadaqa jariya for him and for his future. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept you so from you and, and continue uh, to open up doors for you. Sorry to cut you off. Again, amazing facility. I am so grateful that you guys uh, called me here and I'll be coming back and forth to this facility because I'm coming back for three, four months in April. So please don't get I'll be coming very frequently because this is Thank you so much. Amazing facility, guys. And thank you so much for having me here. Really appreciate it. Jazakumullah khair. Jazakumullah khair. Thank you.